This should be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And welcome back. Hour two of two officially underway. Hopefully you've been enjoying the show so far. We got so much more to get to in hour number two. And if you want to call us up, 337 706 337 706-0111. If you missed the first hour, you missed a lot, honestly. You missed my take on Deshaun Watson, some takeaways from the first couple days of fall camp at LSU. We also got some Saints training camp talk coming up at the bottom of the hour. But it looks like we got some callers, some people joining in on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Maybe getting a jump on the conversation we're going to have in just a few moments. But let's get out to that hotline right now. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Hey, good morning, Clint. How you doing, man? Hey, Ralph, what's going on, brother? Not too much, buddy. Um, listen, to me, the, the thing that um, with the Deshaun Watson situation, number one, I kind of wonder what that 24th uh, woman is planning since she hasn't settled. You know, does she plan on, on taking to the civil court and, and filing a suit there, which would, I guess, help the NFL's case if they would rule uh, against them in civil court. Look, I know allegations are not, um, you know, guilty, please. But when you settle 23 suits out of court, the, the look is horrible. Exactly. You know, but, yeah, but going forward, to me, what's more concerning is the fact that, and again, I didn't read all of the stuff, but I heard another uh, national sports talk show host kind of go into a lot of detail about Apparently, you know, these massages had, had a, a really a lot of, uh, I don't know, fetishes involved and whatnot. He, he, he definitely has a problem. Let's put it that way. And yeah. to me, you know, if you just suspend him for, for six games, 10 games, 12 games, whatever, you still haven't gotten to the root of the problem. So why would they mandate some kind of counseling or, you know, going to uh, – you know, a, a, a clinic, you know, that deals with this. I mean, when yeah. Tiger Woods checked himself into sex rehab, you know, after his affairs, you know, voluntarily, I mean, th- this is where the guy needs to be, uh, you know, trying to get help for his uh, his addiction, to, you know, to these uh, massages, you know. And, and uh, I think that's, to me, the biggest concern, you know, uh, going forward. But, but you're right. I mean, it's all... Goodell's thing is so, I mean, look, Kawan, right now, as things stand, Kawan Baker is suspended the same amount of games as Deshaun Watson. Now, you can't tell me, you know, I, you know, that it's just not fair, you know, and not, not to mention we don't know what Kamara's going to happen, but, but, you know, PEDs, I get it. They, and they know. They, they have a scale still, for that, at least. They have, they have a set standard yeah. for that. That's kind of what my whole thing is. You don't have, like, there's, there's a standard for that. But everything else is kind of laissez-faire. That's that's the biggest issue 
with the NFL in my mind is they don't have a set idea of what's going to happen with different – and obviously some situations are different. But again, I talked about it earlier. You had a player a number of years ago – I'm going to pull up his name right now – Derek Coleman – who was who pled guilty to domestic violence was suspended only four games, like pled guilty. Yeah, a guy that pled guilty to insider trading, he only got suspended eight games. There, there's just a yeah. clear, like, just disconnect. And again, to, to kind of reset what I said in hour one, Goodell basically treats this like wheel of fortune and spins the wheel. And whatever it lands on, that's what the punishment is. Sometimes, if you're the New England Patriots, it'll land on him a free spin. And, and look, I'm, and I, you know, I could be totally off base on this, but but in my heart of hearts, I really think he also, and he should not, he should not take into any account on who the player is. But I think he does. In that Deshaun Watson is a, you know, up and coming superstar in the NFL, and I think that's why Tom Brady hasn't faced any consequences for when you know necessarily when he's been found involved in things and, and Bill Belichick and some of the, you know, I think that the, the, the lesser guys will get punished to the T and, and the, the other ones, you know, and, and look, it's not like this is brand new. This is these, unfortunately, and I'm sure this went back, you were talking about the old commissioners and look to me, Pete Rozelle was the best commissioner the NFL ever had. I'm sure these things were happening back then, but of course we didn't have social media. We didn't have all the reporting, uh, I'm sure most of this was swept under the rug by the teams and whatnot. Uh, everything's out of the open today. And, and that's why, given the fact that last whatever, you know, five, ten years, with all these different cases that have come up, by now they should have set scales for domestic violence slash uh, sexual allegations, what, whatever, you know. And, and it's just ludicrous to, to think that we're at this point and, and it's all just it's so arbitrary, you know, and and, um, and look, you can't tell me the fact that he wasn't found guilty in Texas didn't have something to do with the fact that at the time he was still on the Texans roster. He hadn't been, you know, traded yet. So yeah. um, it's just, it, you know, I, I know life's not fair, but boy, this is just uh, it's a bad look all over for, for the NFL. And I'm, I'm just disappointed. Exactly, and what else is new with the NFL? But, Ralph, appreciate the call, my man. You take it easy this weekend. You too, Clint. Take care, man. Thank you. I appreciate the call, Ralph. If you want to get in on the conversation, 337-706-0111. Looks like we got another call. What do you know? Like, right after we get done talking, we got another one. So let's try and get this conversation going, and if it, if we can kind of keep this going, we can push back the top five to the next segment. we got time. So let's see if we got somebody on the hotline right now. 337-706-0111. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Okay, Mr. Daltone. Or maybe that was just me thinking it because it was blinking right after I got done with Ralph. But it is what it is. So with the recent passing of Vin Scully, it got me thinking. What's your favorite play-by-play call in all of sports? And there's a lot of them I went through. I went through like the history book and stuff that I obviously have a clear connection to. And I wanted to kind of throw it all together into a top five list. Because we do it every week during the summer. Officially, this is the first summer of me doing this, is a top five list. And this one is the top five sports calls of all time, according to me. Again, a lot of this has to do with personal reasons and there's some personal bias in this if you have one 
give me a call at 337-706-0111. And I actually have the sound for all this, so we're going to go step by step here. I'll play the sound bite, and then I'll break it down and give you a reasoning why. And number five, if you know me well enough, you know we got to bring it back to the world of pro wrestling. we got to bring it back to that, and that's where we start off with our top five. Destroying the, the hell in the cell. And my God, don't get them over here where we are. What's going to happen here? Undertaker fighting back. He's fighting back. They're right above us, folks. And I don't like it a damn bit. Oh, my God. Look out. Hands down, one of the greatest calls in pro wrestling history, by far, by the undisputed voice of wrestling for a lot of people, that's Jim Ross. King of the Ring 98, throw, and Undertaker throws mankind off the top of the hell in a cell. Hands, I mean, like Jim Ross has said, he legit thought that Mick Foley died the second he landed on the announce table, on the Spanish announce table. I mean, Jim Ross is like right there. I, I, it still is one of the craziest bumps I've ever seen. And that's saying something, considering the amount of bumps we've seen after that. But he absolutely, almost 25 years later, next year will be the 25th anniversary of King of the Ring 1998. And the call has been mean to hell and back, but honestly, it's still one of the best calls in the history of professional wrestling. It's definitely number five on my list. Let's go out to the game hotline at 337-706-0111. See if we have somebody who wants to throw in their nomination. Maybe that'll wind up in the honorable mention list. And trust me, that's pretty full compared to certain certain weeks. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. One of my all-time... I remember watching this as a kid whenever Randy Johnson hit that bird. Yes. It's ingrained in my brain for the rest of my life. That is a really good one. Randy Johnson destroying the bird. And I'm not mistaken, wasn't it like, a, I, I could be wrong on this, but wasn't it like a spring training game or something along those lines? I, I, I don't remember. No, I think it was an actual game. I, I don't think it was spring training. It, it was spring training, March 24, 2001. There you go. Like that, but that's, the, that's what made it even wilder. Like in The fact that you that play, that moment, you just see that highlight pop up every now and again, and it's absolutely insane to see him kill a dove with a hundred mile an hour fastball. I, I was watching the; uh, they have a YouTube documentary about him, and I was watching, it and they brought that up. He's like, I, I, "You can create that again if you wanted to." Oh, exactly. Hey, man, I appreciate the call, man. Appreciate it. All right, man. All right, let's get to number four. And I think we got to go a little LSU here. And 4-3 and three definitely fit this to a T. And I had this ranked higher originally. Then I kind of listened back to the clip. And I'll explain why it dropped down in my power rankings after I played the clip. Alabama and Ole Miss. I didn't finish up at Arkansas. Kentucky has uh, Vanderbilt here next week. And then we'll finish at Tennessee. Final play of the game. Shotgun formation. Three-man rush. Randall. 
Stops, throws it as far as he can. Caught, caught, touchdown! I do not believe it! The Tigers pulled off another miracle. It was Devery Henderson who caught it on the last play of the game. Holy cow! Jim, that I've is never the, seen it that happen before in my life. Unbelievable play I think I have ever seen in all the years. Their fans on the other end they can't to believe the Ghostbusters down. I don't think they realize LSU won it. My they goodness. All right, two things. And it, it's something you kind of forget about because you hear it enough times. It's kind of become almost a Mandela effect for, I think it's going to be it, at least, for a certain generation that the Bluegrass Miracle play will be remembered as the moment Dever Henderson caught it. And obviously, it's one of the greatest moments in LSU's history. But you forget about the fact that the original call, which has kind of been scrubbed from history, is that Jim Hawthorne calls Devery Henderson Jack Hunt instead of Devery. And then we get on top of that, the color guy kind of trying to get his bleep in right in the middle of Jim Henderson, Jim Hawthorne, excuse me, not Jim Henderson. We'll talk to him about him in a minute. But Jim Hawthorne's call of that is absolutely outstanding outside of confusing Jack Hunt with Devery Henderson. That's kind of a different conversation. Now, it's the fact that you didn't let the moment breathe, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Naming the wrong player, not letting it breathe, Hurts it a little bit in terms of just my personal opinion, also what I listen for in terms of play-by-play. And it plays a big role in what number one is. But now let's get to number two, number three on this list, excuse me. And we're going to go LSU once again, but this time we got to go on the diamond. And again, he let the moment breathe. Sean McDonough, back when the College World Series used to be on CBS, 1996. We all know the call. We all know the play. I don't need to go into any more detail on that. But without a doubt, this is the most insane like call and probably one of the best Sean McDonough has had, I think, outside of Back in the day when he had Game 7 of the 92 National League Championship Series with the Braves going to the World Series. Again, I think this is one of the cooler calls from back in the day. But I think Warren Morris, it holds a certain special place in a lot of our hearts because it is one of the most iconic moments in the history of LSU sports. And the fact that the national call eclipses a Jim Hawthorne call played a huge role in this because I didn't want to have more than one from each announcer. Give you a different taste and different flavor, if you will. And now we get to the top two. And number two by a country mile. Again, there was a clear line of demarcation. Number two has to be one of my favorite moments as a Saints fan. Somewhere on the sideline, John Carney has bitten his fingernails down through the cuticles. He's down to the second knuckle on every hand about right now. 
because he is the uh, Saints kicking consultant and he has been the mentor for Garrett Hartley who is about to attempt to kick the Saints into the first Super Bowl in their 43-year history. And I mean, how ironic was it that this morning in the paper that Garrett Hartley was talking about that, the pressure that's on kickers, the number of field goals that have been missed in the postseason. There have been a lot of them. Saints fans don't want to see another. Snap, placement, kicked by Hartley, and it is, it is good! It's good! It's good! <laughs> Pigs have flown! Hell is frozen over! The Saints are on their way to the Super Bowl! I'll say this. I've heard that call a billion times. And I'm hearing it again today, and it's hitting me. You can feel the years and decades of pain and anguish of Saints fandom and a Saints broadcaster being exercised from his body like it's a damn exorcism when Garrett Hartley drilled that one down the line to get the Saints to their first and only Super Bowl. Still one of my favorite moments of all time, the Saints going to the Super Bowl, it's good. And the way that last one, it's good, that hit a certain way. Now let's get to number one with a bullet. And in my mind, I think hands down, one of the best announcers of all time. Vince Cully's up there too, don't get me wrong. But hands down, I think the GOAT. And I know Kevin Foote, not as a huge fan of the word GOAT. Trust me, we'll get to his other one in terms of dog. A little bit later when we talk with Ross Jackson at 10.30. But we got to go with the Miracle on Ice, right? 28 seconds. The crowd going insane. Carlamon shooting it into the American end again. Morrow is back there. Now Johnson, 19 seconds. Johnson over to Ramsey. The Yolentinov gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow. Up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. Hands down, one of the greatest calls. And if you go back and watch the actual game, after the Do You Believe in Miracles? Yes, there is a long delay where you don't hear a thing. And again, this was a different era where things were tape delayed six and a half hours when the game when the games were in Lake Placid in 1980 and you know the context it's hands down one of the greatest moments in the history of sports and that always blows me away every single time I hear it but I'll go to some honorable mentions real quick I'll start off with Jim Henderson again while we talked about the thrill of victory and he mentioned John Carney at the beginning of that clip we got to go back to him. 2003, Saints-Jags. Need I say more? All sorts of incredible plays along the line for the Saints to stay alive, pending the extra point by John Carney. And he missed No! He missed the extra point wide right. Oh, my God. How could he do that? This one is over as John Carney misses his first extra point 
of the season. You can hear the pain in his voice. No! Like, that was the same reaction every single Saints fan had, especially when you remember the context of this. Because the Saints still had a shot at the time of making the playoffs in 03. They still had a shot at making the playoffs during that game, the River City Relay game, one of the most iconic games of all time. I say 03, I think it was 02. Can't remember. Can't exactly remember the date. A lot of stuff's happened. But this is hands down one of the moments that's just like it just tears your heart in two when you see that. But a moment that makes you absolutely happy, we got to go to 2019. A little more recency bias here, but it's got to be a call you've heard on the Astros radio network here on the game and one you've heard for a long time after. Robert Ford, take it away. That's driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back. And if you've seen the video of Robert Ford in the booth when that happens, he is jumping up and down like a schoolgirl, and I absolutely love it. It is hands down one of his best calls. That's saying something. He has had some phenomenal calls of great moments in Astros history over the last several years, especially since they made the move over to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Last one. And I think it's just more of an encompassing thing. I talk about Al Michaels being the GOAT in terms of announcing. I think Kevin Harlan has a strong case of being the second guy right underneath him, at least in my mind. Because anytime he has a microphone, he can just make moments even better. And he don't he doesn't care. He'll call two games at once. He'll break all the rules. But he'll also have fun when Fans get a little unruly and, and storm the field. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat. Oh, Kevin. they got him. Here comes They're coming the from the coat. left. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. I mean, that's the most iconic one. I got to include that. I could probably go on a whole other hour, but we're, we're running long here. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, come back, quick little Cajuns camp talk. Then we're going to have Ross Jackson on after that. So keep it locked right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. After all your problems during the week, it's finally the weekend. Woo! Yeah, baby! I've been waiting for. That's what it's all about. That means you're getting more under the dome with CD right now on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. Quick segment here. We got Ross Jackson coming up in about, I'd say, five or six minutes. But in the meantime, in between time, make sure you enter in today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com for a chance to win the Houston Astros weekend getaway. 
He's the red-hot Houston Astros, one of the best teams in baseball, taking on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. So sign up in the game clubhouse to score four tickets of tour of Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, Love Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. We'll kind of go express lane style in this next segment because we got Ross Jackson locked on Saints. I'll be coming on in just a few minutes. I want to get some Cajuns camp talk, namely, you know, one of the biggest storylines in camp. Who comes out on top, Chandler Fields or Ben Woolridge? It's been a debate I think a lot of us have had over the last couple of weeks, and I think that's going to play a pivotal role into whether or not the Cajuns do hit that over under 8.5. If they hit that over, which, for the record, I actually wound up, uh, I'll go ahead and say it now, I put, I put money on the over, 8.5 wins, because I think their schedule kind of helps them a lot more than past years, I think that the Cajuns can at least get eight, nine wins this year. Again, I think it's key that they do start the season with a three or four no start. But that is still something that is very much feasible. But Chandler Fields, I feel like, is that guy I would love to have get that starting job because he's been a guy that we've been hearing about for a long time. Going back to when he committed to the Cajuns, he was that first real big statement player. We I've talked about it for years. He was the crown jewel of the first recruiting class for Billy Napier. And I think the kid out of Rummel has been developing and waiting in the wings underneath guys like Andre Nunez, and Levi Lewis, and a lot of other guys that have been in that mix, like Magale and crew. Fields has gotten some time on the field, but it's been in mop-up time, garbage time, really kind of just hand the ball off and run the clock down because you're whipping up on some team's ass. I want to see what he does. I want to see how he looks in fall camp. Can he? Can Ben Woolridge overtake him? Because I think right now, I would say personally, Chandler's leader in the clubhouse. But that answers only one question. You know, outside of that, what else does the Cajuns have on the offensive side of the football? Chris Smith, and that's about it. Are you really going to kind of tie that and kind of go back to a little bit more of a run-heavy offense? I think that could hurt you. I'd much rather – I think you'd much rather behoove the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to go the other route and go a full 180, if you will. At least this is my opinion. We'll go ahead and take a quick timeout, come back with Ross Jackson. We'll get to some Saints training camp discussion next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette at 104.1 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These guys are laughing. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Woo! 
Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And you can be one of our next winners in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Because all you got to do is just become a member of the clubhouse. It's free to enter and free to join. And you'll have a chance to win some fantastic prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Hotel, a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, and even a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. You can score those great prizes by becoming a member today of the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. And here's the thing. That batch of prizes, the Astros, we can get away. There's a metric ton of stuff up for grabs right now in the clubhouse. That's only the tip of the iceberg, and this stuff keeps getting loaded up. And you know what keeps getting loaded up? Saints talk. And we get to the guy that we love to talk Saints with, and that is our guy Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast and part of the Saints Wire, which is part of the USA Today Network. Ross, how you doing, brother? Hey, buddy. Doing great, man. Glad to be here with you. Appreciate you having me on. All right, first things first. We need to get to Trevor Penning right out the gate because of him and his fighting. I mean, it's clear that Penning got that dog in him, but I think the question is, are you okay with him having that dog in him the way he's starting off his career in the NFL, or could this be something maybe he becomes like a Kyle Turley? Uh, I, I don't, I'm not too concerned about it. Look, I, I think that like this is actually one of the reasons why the Saints really liked him and why a lot of teams around the NFL really like him is that they like that dog mentality. They like that aggression. It's really just about honing it in and finding a way to kind of utilize it in a, you know, not helmet throwing way, uh, but in a way instead that is able to, you know, show itself out on the football field in, in a, in a constructive manner. And so, look, I think, you know, he had those three straight days of, some you know scuffles and some some you know back and forth with other uh, defensive players and since then you know he's been getting some early team reps and things like that over the course of the past few days of training camp and there doesn't seem to be any you know big issues nothing after the whistle or anything like that so hasn't been a big deal from for him since he was uh, asked to leave practice along with uh, Malcolm Roach when they had that bigger tussle in the indoor facility so I think that he's trending in the right direction now it's just trying to figure out how you take all of that aggression that maybe can go a little bit through the echo of the whistle and then get it all in between the whistles and uh you know which would certainly make him a uh, a very feared competitor at that point at a, at a position that needs that type of mentality sticking with the offensive side of the football how impressive has rookie wideout chris olave been in training camp because i've been watching that clip on a loop from yesterday where he put paulson adebo on some damn skates on a loop and i'm amazed by it every time yeah i mean he's look he's outstanding i mean he to borrow from Jameis winston he's so smooth um you know he's a fantastic route runner his cuts are really violent they're lethal you know he puts these fantastic moves his ability to change direction and his short area of quickness just jump off the field every time even if you're not looking for the guy you're going to find him at one point you know at some point because of something that he does you know even with before he gets the ball in his hand and I think that's something that's, you know, a big deal for the New Orleans Saints who have you know, really lived off of yards after catch over the course of the recent years. Now you're in a situation to where, and especially with a guy like Jameis Winston, you're starting to look back at, you know, air yards and yards before catch and being able to hit receivers downfield. The two seem like a really, really good 
um, complement to one another, a bit of a dynamic duo, much like Deontay Hardy, who get involved in there too, who is also developing well as a route runner. So he's been a lot of fun to watch, Chris Olave, and uh, you know I'm excited to see him out and uh, on the field and in, in, in game action because. I think he's going to be a, a really immediate impact player, which is exactly what you hope for uh, for a guy like that. Soccer now, Rawls Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast, and one player that we've been trying to figure out what's been going on with him, and obviously his kind of departure from the team right before training camp. He was MIA for the first six days, but did return recently, and that is one Honey Badger. The Honey Badger is back at camp, and what have you seen from him the last two days? Yeah, uh, the thing that you see from him on the field for sure is just how smart he is, how well he communicates, how well he works with the other guys around him. Um, you know, he, he's not somebody that has made any kind of big splash plays or anything like that so far, but we also haven't seen him in anything but at this point, uh, seven on sevens, though, that's, let me just say, likely to change very soon. And so I think that, you know, the, the big piece with him is the communication that he needs to build with Marcus May beside him, DeMario Davis in front of him, and, of course, all the corners, uh, the rest of the secondary that surround him. Um, and, you know, I think you see his leadership. You see his ability to communicate. You see his ability to quarterback uh, the secondary. And then now you're just waiting for him to get involved in, like, team drills and things like that so we can see that playmaking ability that Tyron Matthews is known for. Flipping over, obviously, we, we talk about Chris Olave, but what have you seen from Michael Thomas? Because I've heard nothing but great things about him as he started to kind of ramp up. And, you know, I think the question is, when is he going to start getting into that, that full pads and being able to be a full full go in practice, or is he already kind of in that direction? Uh, he's certainly heading in that direction. Um, practice was moved to the indoor facility today, so there's only so much that I can say. But I will tell you that, you know, he, they, they expected his ramp up to take some time. But Dennis Allen said yesterday that he's really close to getting involved in team drills. So I think, you know, there will be positive updates around that uh, here in the near future. And so I think, you know, what you see from him is, you know, the strong hands that you know and love Michael Thomas for his route running ability and his cutting in terms of his, you know, in terms of coming out of his breaks and, coming out of his stems and things like that. It, it, he trusts his body, which is a huge part of the recovery process. It's sort of that mental process. And, you know, you watch him, and it, there doesn't seem to be any kind of holding back, uh, uncertainty, um, distrust in his ankle or, you know, in that recovery process. And so that's a really, really good sign because that sometimes is the hardest hurdle to jump outside of the physical recovery is kind of the mental recovery of it. He has a lot of trust in himself, his body, his abilities, and so far he's been able to put it all on display. We saw him in one-on-one for the first time yesterday, and he went up against uh, basically the guy that's been the camp star so far in Paulson Adebo for two reps and you know, absolutely won those reps the way that you expect Michael Thomas to win them. So you know, I'm not going to say that he's going to be the 2019 record-breaking Michael Thomas, but it doesn't need to be now that you've got Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave in the building, but he is very much a brand of Michael Thomas that will feel familiar to the success that Saints fans are used to seeing on the field from him. And the Saints signed Kiko Alonso, a guy who hadn't played in the league in a good while, but obviously he has familiarity with the system. That's something Dennis Allen uh, pointed to as a reason why they brought him back. But how was he kind of kind of meshed with the team returning to the program? Well, it's interesting. He, he was signed with the team. It was the first time that he had played in the NFL since 2019. He was out there yesterday. It's a pretty meaningful snaps, but 
since it took place during the uh, open portion of practice today, I could say he wasn't he, he wasn't there today. Uh, so he got a day in, and then we haven't seen him yet. So I don't know if maybe something came up, or maybe it's just a part of his process where they they get him out there and then they give him a day off and then they'll you know give him two days off effectively with a day off tomorrow and then maybe he'll be out there again on monday but a little concerning to see him come in for a day and then not be present the following day so uh you know what you see from him is somebody that's familiar with the system and that you know is really uh fantastic in the run game which is what he he did really well for the saints that 2019 season last time that we saw him out on the field and so you know you hope to see more of that in the future but so far it's been you know, I would say maybe a stifled ramp up, or maybe it's just a stagnant ramp up. I'm not sure, but we haven't seen him today, so I haven't gotten to get a pretty good look at him. But I think that speaks volumes if it's already an injury concern or something like that, considering he's been absent from the NFL since the 2019 playoffs. And you bring up absences. Obviously, you're out of training camp. Who else was kind of absent today? What's been the takeaway from from that on a Saturday? Yeah, so, um, you know, the standard list, I guess, in terms of what we've seen over the past few days, Taysom Hill, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Marshawn Lattimore, all uh, still out today. Um, the, the notable new names would probably be uh, Zach Bond and Kiko Alonso. We did see Zach Bond leave at the end of practice, um, you know, or, or near the end of practice yesterday. He was scheduled to speak with media yesterday. We didn't see him today, so, uh, you know, we'll see exactly what's going on with him. But the thing's getting a little bit light at that linebacker spot as well as at, at the uh, cornerback spot. Another interesting note in terms of attendance was seeing a new number 43 uh, in, in attendance today was a little shocking uh, when you think about, you know, just a year ago, that number belonging to Marcus Williams, who, of course, is now in Baltimore, but the Saints signed uh, cornerback Quentin Meeks, who spent last season with the Jaguars for a few games and then the Chargers for a couple of games as well. Mostly played special teams back in 2020. Hasn't really gotten many defensive snaps in the NFL since 2018. So we'll see what he's able to bring to the team in terms of depth and rotation and all of that. But uh, those would be kind of the notable ones. Outside of the ones that we already know of, right, Taysom Hill is still recovering. Marcus Davenport still recovering. Rashid uh, Shahid still working off to the side, things like that. Talk right now, Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast and also part of the Saints Wire, which is part of USA Today. And, you know, looking at training camp, who else has kind of shown out that maybe heading into camp you weren't sure they're going to, they were going to make the 53-man roster, but after what you've seen a little over a week into camp has really shown, hey, they have a shot of making it to the 53-man. Yeah, I don't know if he'll make it to the 53 because I don't know how many wide receivers it thinks they're going to keep because they're really, really deep at, at, at that position. But certainly somebody that could see some playing time in 2022 if he makes it to the practice squad as a practice squad elevation would be wide receiver Kirk Merritt. Uh, number 85, if you're out at Saints camp anytime soon and you haven't been there yet, uh, he is somebody that has a lot of speed, a lot of burst. Uh, he has great special teams ability, and he's got really solid hands and has shown, shown that he can win some contested catches and really battle with uh, the corners in a really physical manner. He's a stockier build kind of like Kawan Baker, who's going to be suspended for the first six games. And so, you know, he's the kind of guy that kind of turns into a running back once you get the ball in his hands. So it's a really, really good skill set that's kind of unique to the New Orleans Saints uh, wide receiver core right now. So even if he doesn't necessarily make the 53, depending on how many receivers they keep uh, with that deep room, he still could be somebody that lands on a practice squad now that you can keep, you know, ample veterans on the practice squad and potentially still contribute on a matchup-based elevation. Got one more about the Saints in terms of training camp. How's Jameis Winston looked since the knee injury? The way that I would say it is 
comfortable but cautious, right? I mean, he's not, you know, he's not breaking out for runs, which there's no reason for him to do that right now anyway, considering the fact that, like, this is training camp. He's not getting tackled anyway. And so, you know, we're not seeing that. But we're still seeing him get on the move, play actions, rollouts, boot actions, things like that. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of good things from him. He's very comfortable with the system. Uh, talked to Deontay Hardy during his pressure the other day about, you know, uh, an adjustment that Jameis made to one of his routes that ended up opening him up for a big 50-yard touchdown. So those types of just the familiarity with the offense, how to manipulate it, how to go up against, um, you know, the opposing defense and how to, you know, put his players, his teammates in the best position to succeed. That type of comfort with the system is certainly something that's very welcome uh, and, and something that I think speaks really highly of Jameis's development thus far. Before I let you go, one of the things we talked about to start off hour two, in honor of Vince Scully, kind of, I gave my thoughts on top five play-by-play calls of all time. Let's just go strictly Saints here. What's your favorite play-by-play call in Saints history? Ooh. I mean, there's two that immediately come to mind, but I'll go with I'll go with the classic. Hell is for pigs have flown. Hell is frozen over. The Saints are going to the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, obviously that's a that's a remarkable moment for the New Orleans Saints as that field goal went through against the uh, the, the Minnesota Vikings. But that is just something that will you know always kind of that that call in and of itself, whether it was about the New Orleans Saints, whether it was about you know any other team, whether it was about a Super Bowl victory, just the the combination of those words, pigs have flown, hell is frozen over, the New Orleans Saints are going to the Super Bowl, is pretty remarkable. So I think I would hand that off to that one. But one that I would say is a close second is Mike Tirico in the return to the Dome game in 2006 after the blocked, blocked punt by Steve Gleason recovered in the end zone. And him intentionally not saying touchdown Saints, touchdown New Orleans Saints, but saying touchdown New Orleans as a show of love to the city of New Orleans was a pretty remarkable, very well-calculated, and very meaningful moment as well. Absolutely. And, Ross, this has been a well-calculated interview right now. So appreciate you coming on, my man. Talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. and Also enjoy the Saints training camp coverage you got going on with the Locked On Saints and the Saints Wire, brother. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks, as always, for having me on. Thanks, everybody, over at the studio. Y'all take care. Stay safe. We most definitely will. Ross, you can follow him on Twitter. If you're not already, seriously, what the hell are you doing? You can follow him at Ross Jackson. Nola, we'll be back after this one final take, and we're going to the movies. Yes, you hear me right. We're going to the movies with this final take right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. One final take here, and then we get out of here. And it's going to be more about a movie, and not just any movie, really. We're talking about Roadhouse. Because when I saw this pop up on my feed the other day, I damn near vomited in my mouth. Because there's apparently a remake that is going to be made, and this is actually the second attempt to make this movie, and it's going to be straight to Prime Video, which further proves why this movie shouldn't be made. But they're redoing Roadhouse. 
with Jake Gyllenhaal as the guy that's going to be playing the role of Dalton. And reportedly, Conor McGregor is going to be a part of it, which further proves why I don't want this to happen. They tried this years ago with Ronda Rousey. The movie spent all this time in development hell and then never came out. Why are we going back to Roadhouse? Possibly one of the best movies of Patrick Swayze's career. And probably one of my favorite movies ever. Now, Conor McGregor obviously would play the Terry Funk role, presumably. Thank God he's not the lead, because then I'd absolutely would be vomiting in my mouth even more. But Jake Gyllenhaal just doesn't seem to fit that at all. And again, the fact that they tried this again, a remake, this is back in 2015 when Ronda Rousey was at her peak in the UFC. And the thing got canceled pretty low-key. But now, apparently, MGM has the ability to do this. But should they? Not just no, but hell no. There should never be a movie, a remake of Roadhouse. I understand you can retell a lot of different stories and maybe you had a sequel, apparently, in 2006 that nobody knew about. But even that should have never been made. It feels like just looking at the cover, it looks like an off-brand, like, thing you'd find behind a beaded room in one of those uh, be- a beaded like door basically if you remember that stuff from back in the day but yeah there's no reason why we should ever get a remake of an all-time piece of americana like roadhouse might wind up rewatching that over the weekend sam elliott patrick swayze terry funk in one of his greatest roles that movie is hands down so damn good because it's just good campy fun but that's about all god for this week's show be back with you next week same bad time same bad channel enjoy the rest of your weekend this has been under the dome with cd on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station